I'm Jill Anderson. This is the Harvard EdCast. Philip Levine knows there's sticker shock when we see the price tag of college. He's an economist at Wellesley College who studies college affordability and how it impacts where and whether students choose to go. To better help students and their families make an informed decision about college, he created My Intuition, an online calculator that helps project the actual cost of college after financial aid. How much do sticker prices really matter when it comes to applying for college? The sticker price of college is a useful number for a very small fraction of the population. You know, at a school like Harvard or something, and I don't know what the sticker price is at Harvard at the moment, but it's in the vicinity of $70,000. And this is true of many private colleges in the United States. You've got to be making $250,000 or so dollars a year before that's actually the amount that you'll face, mm-hmm. that that's the price you'll have to pay. Pretty much for everybody with finances below that, which is most of the country, the $70,000, that scary sticker price is not the number you would be paying. It could be considerably less than that. Why do you think it's so difficult to separate real cost from actual cost of college? The financial aid process is just so incredibly complicated. It presents such a large barrier for people. It's virtually impossible to really know how much college is going to cost you in advance. The only number that's readily identifiable, that if you're on the webpage, it's like, oh, there's a number, it's $70,000, which is easy, but it's also wrong (laughs) for most people. And so it's not surprising that people are confused. Mm -hmm. It's critical that we find better ways to communicate what college would really cost your family. For a particular student, what's it going to cost you to actually come to college because it could be way less than that. And I wonder if we really see a lot of colleges doing that type of marketing and communications about what this is really going to cost you. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of that publicly out there. (laughs) For um, a long time, the general communications approach from colleges and universities is they have some web page you know, if you go to www.schoolx.edu slash affordable, <laughs> there's a web page like that at most colleges and universities. And there'll be all this information about, like, it's definitely more affordable than you think. Take our word for it. Well, people don't want to take your word for it. They want to know, like, what's this really going to cost me? Here's my financial circumstances Just give me an idea. Are we talking $10,000 or are we talking $70,000? Because those are two very different numbers. And if it's $10,000 or $15,000, you know, at an early stage in the process, whatever, that's not that big of a difference. That $70,000 is just so daunting that we need to find ways to be able to get people past that hurdle. So I actually have started um, my own nonprofit corporation. It's called My Intuition. It's available at myintuition.org and at many participating colleges' websites, including Harvard. If you go to my intuition and click on a school and enter just a handful of pieces of financial information, things that you can answer, likely answer off the top of your head, or at least approximate off the top of your head, you will get a personalized estimate that says, for you, what is a particular college likely to cost? We're available at 66 colleges and universities nationwide at the moment and growing. 
there's so many tools out there to help people navigate the expense of college, but that process, applying for college, applying for financial aid is convoluted, especially if you're a (laughs) first-generation student and you don't have some sort of precedence in your family of how to do this or someone guiding you through that process. Many of these tools are just not intuitive. What makes my intuition different from some of these other tools? I think it's interesting to know how I personally got involved in this because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an economics professor. I spend a lot of time thinking about social policy and using statistical analysis. But financial aid was never a topic that I actually studied in my work. Mm -hmm. This was personal for me. My kids got to be college age. I make a good living as a professor, but I don't make a million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And I was interested in financial aid. And I realized very quickly that I couldn't figure out how much college was going to cost me. And I just thought that was wrong. If it's that difficult for me, this has got to be a major problem for a lot of people in the country. This was actually before net price calculators came around. So before net price calculators were invented, I would say that it was essentially impossible to find out the answer to this question. In 2008, a law was passed so that beginning in 2011, all colleges were required to provide these things called net price calculators, which were in some sense the right idea. They were intending to do exactly the right thing. They just, you know, it's a government law and there's restrictions and regulations about how it has to operate. And they're not that simple. So it turns out that for a lot of people, they start asking you to pull out tax forms. And as soon as they ask you to pull out a tax form, you click out of it because that's scary and hard. Mm -hmm. That's not the right approach. I would say before net price calculators, it was impossible to figure out what college is going to cost. After net price calculators, it's not impossible. It's just really hard. Mm -hmm. My intuition was an attempt to overcome those sorts of hurdles. The entire financial aid system is intended to identify the outliers. Who are the people with really unusual finances? We have to ask 150 questions to figure out what those unusual finances are. Let's get all of that detail and we're going to dig down as deep as we can and we're going to nail down exactly what we think you can afford to pay. That's why financial aid is as complicated as it is. Most people's financial lives are not that complicated. To be quite honest, neither is mine and this is how I got to this point. It's like, you know, I have a job that pays an income. I have a house. I have some retirement savings, but retirement savings doesn't actually count in the financial aid process. A little bit of money in the bank, not a ton, but some stocks and bonds. And that's it. That's like the vast majority of the population. Have those things or less. Mm -hmm. Why not just ask about those things? In English, like how much money did you make last year? Not what was your adjusted gross income? Are you like, I don't have any idea what my adjusted gross income is. It's not even obvious I know what that means. In English, ask people questions that they can answer. What was your total family income last year? Do you have any money in stocks and bonds? How much? If you don't necessarily need to go pull out your Vanguard statement, like (laughs) you have a basic idea of how much you have, stick in the basic idea. Now, that doesn't provide you with a perfect estimate because like at the end of the day, there are a lot of details that matter. And so what my intuition does is it gives you a ballpark estimate. It gives you a range. So for you, someone with your financial circumstances, here's a good estimate of what you're likely to pay, let's say $15,000. Depending on the specifics, it may be less than that. It might be more than that. We give you a statistic that says 90% of the people 
with your basic financial circumstances will pay between, you know, let's say $10,000 and $20,000. So $15,000 is the best estimate for you. It's likely to be in the teens. Now, you know, at the end of the day, you probably care about those differences. But at the beginning of the process, when you're thinking, where can I go to college? And $70,000 is the number that you have in your head is what it really is going to cost. Getting you into the teens is a very different story. Mm -hmm. You can worry about the details later. But from my perspective, the advantage of that approach is it just opens the door. It gets you over a hurdle that you think is insurmountable. I only make $40,000. How could I possibly afford $70,000? Well, of course that's crazy. But, like, no school is going to charge you $70,000. Find out what they're actually going to charge you. Like, at least in the ballpark, I mean, $40,000, it may be less than that. It may be $2,000 or $5,000, which is still a struggle. Nobody's saying that coming up with that kind of money is easy for families in those circumstances. But I also wouldn't say that it's, it's an insurmountable hurdle, that it's the sort of number that, like, I can't possibly figure out how to accomplish that. The idea that if we can just get you to the point where the response is, hmm, maybe we can figure out a way to make that happen. That's a really important hurdle. I really want people to be able to get over that hurdle. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's why I think colleges are are adopting it as quickly as they are. So I was going to ask what you've learned from the students and families who've been using. I mean, the site's been around for a few years now, more than a few years. And What have you been hearing from those students and families? I'm a professor at Wellesley College, and Mm -hmm. I developed this initially at Wellesley several years ago. But I've been doing it long enough that the students who actually are applying are now my students. Mm. It's interesting because I can talk to them about it, and they tell me that they were in a position in their lives where they knew they wanted to go to college. They knew that they wanted to further themselves. And importantly, their parents were in the same position. As a parent, you want the best thing that you possibly can get for your kids. The last thing that you want is for someone to tell you it's impossible, like that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I hear these stories from my students and they tell me that, you know, they're so scared in the college search process thinking like, how am I going to do this? And then they clicked on a few numbers, got an estimate, and it's a revelation for them. It's a wonderful experience to be able to see a student realize that basically their dreams now can come true. Do you have some new research coming out? Like, So I'm giving this paper at the Graduate School of Education. What my intuition addresses is a problem that, you know, I would label sticker shock. Mm. You're responding to the $70,000. Wow, that's a lot. I can't go. That's sticker shock. So the paper that I'm talking about is a way to detect, do we observe students responding to the sticker price itself, not the price that matters for them? What the paper is about is that it addresses experiences of students applying to schools during the Great Recession to state to public institutions. Public institutions were just devastated by the financial crisis because all the revenue that was coming in from economic activity was drying up. And the states had no money. They cut spending on everything, including public education. There were very dramatic increases in tuition that students had to pay because if the money wasn't coming from the state, the money's got to come from somewhere. In most states, they just charge students more, a lot more. What's interesting about that is that some schools, the label is that they meet full need. So they do a calculation that says, what do we think you can afford? Mm -hmm. We're going to charge you what we think you can afford. 
It doesn't matter what the sticker price is. If $10,000 is the magic number, you pay $10,000. It doesn't matter if the tuition at a public institution is $30,000, $40,000, $50,000, whatever. If you can afford 10, that's what we're charging you. And in some states, the public institution, the flagship institution meets full need and in others it doesn't. And what we see is that even in the states where the flagship meets full need, lower income students responded to the sticker price increase. They responded to the fact that tuition went up in California 32%. They responded by not applying, even though that tuition increase didn't apply to them. So that's an indication that people respond to the sticker price, even if it doesn't matter to them. If that's the only number they know, that's what they respond to. That's exactly what my intuition is trying to overcome. Mm. It all makes sense that the sticker shock problem occurs, but it's nice to be able to detail that, like, here's an example of sticker prices changing, and students who are unaffected by it respond as if it does matter to them. That's a mistake. That's something we have to be able to find ways to overcome. You can be low income and not necessarily a high achieving student because it's just taking into Correct. account this is just your, about finances. your finances. It's not looking at scholarships Correct. or any of that because that'd be hard to predict. You still have to get accepted. Getting accepted and paying for it can be two different things. So one of the things we see a lot right now among presidential candidates about trying to make college more affordable. Mm -hmm. In some ways, if you are a low-income, high-achieving student, it already can be, right? In some sense, free college is almost the ultimate marketing mechanism for mm -hmm. conveying this information about cost. Free is a good number. <laughs> right. People like free. They respond to free. What I think gets lost in this discussion is that for a lot of students, college already is free, mm -hmm. you know, broadly defined. We need ways to better communicate that. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of free college because it's free college for everybody. So if you make over $250,000 a year, it's free for you too. Not obvious to me that makes sense. But at least finding the ability to make college more affordable for lower income households which may already exist and may just mean doing a better job of communication, that is an incredibly important goal and something that I think that we need to find ways to accomplish. You've mentioned communications being an important part of this. Huge part. How do you think we move forward? What are some ideas to really make a change in this? You know, in terms of the work that I'm doing, I think scale is incredibly important. Right now we're working with 66 colleges and universities, and that's great. There's hundreds of colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. It's also the case the 66 colleges and universities at the moment tend to be more elite, higher level institutions that, as you say, if you can't get accepted, you still can't go. Tools like this, the ability to communicate actual prices after factoring and financial aid, to the extent that tools like that become ubiquitous in the marketplace, available to everybody at lots of different types of schools, at that point, the marketing will sort of take care of itself. It needs to reach the level of scale where mm -hmm. people just know if you're interested in learning about college costs, you can go here. And that has to be through word of mouth, through mentoring services, through school guidance counselors, in a lot of different ways as this becomes a larger scale entity that mm -hmm. encompasses large numbers of institutions. It has the potential 
to overcome the communications problem. Philip Levine is a professor at Wellesley College and the creator of My Intuition, an online tool that helps students and their families determine the actual cost of college after financial aid. I'm Jill Anderson. This is the Harvard EdCast, produced by the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Thanks for listening.